We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live after a abysmal showing uh, from the Los Angeles Chargers at the hands of the Denver Broncos, uh, 24 to 7. And to make things very, very worse, Justin Herbert is injured, and uh, we have no idea how long that injury is going to keep him out, but uh, we'll see how that one goes. Either way, I can't imagine a potentially broken index finger is uh, conducive to throwing the football. So, that's where that's where things are at today. Um, you know, totally understand the frustration online. Totally understand the frustration in our chat. Tyler and I are here to work through some things and uh, and uh, take stock of everything, as we always do after games. We initially were going to record uh, tonight after Sunday Night Football, and we just decided to get it out the way. You know, why wait? So uh, I know some of you guys are going to be you know rushing off to Sunday Night Football and all that, but uh, it is what it is. Tyler and I wanted to uh, jump on here. Uh, right after and uh, see what's up. So let us know if you guys have any burning questions, any takes that you want to fire off. We'll get to those throughout the show. As always, Super Chats are appreciated. Tyler, what is up, man? How are you doing? Are you at least feeling physically better today than last time we recorded? Yeah, physically, all good. All there. All's doing pretty good. Uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you name it, not so great. Uh, that game was pretty pretty bad uh we've seen some rough games for sure i don't recall a game that was just plain bad from like the second it started till the moment it ended it was just nothing but misery it was basically a blowout at home on the day where you get all your legends there and you're honoring antonio gates the entire backdrop is orange because all the broncos fans are there the broadcast says that the offense has not used um, its verbal cadence all season because of the crowd noise at home. And Justin Herbert gets hurt. Uh, and the Chargers are basically eliminated from the postseason. Like you said, it was 1% to 2% maybe. Um, it's over. And Justin Herbert now, you know, in theory, has to turn it around and play Thursday night. But it's it's not happening based on... Yeah. being declared out for the second half of this game and the quick turnaround it doesn't just get better in three days so unless he wants to throw left-handed which i guess is cool for vibes but even then that fingers that hand's messed up too 
uh, it's over. And it couldn't have been really it couldn't have been a worse game. Yeah, we'll get to Easton Sticks play at some point today because I, I think obviously it's worth discussing. Um, but it was such a strange start. Like I felt like after the Michael Davis interception, which was a pretty cool play. Like, oh, like maybe the defense is going to show up today. Maybe the offense is going to like figure some things out. And just like immediately the offense, the vibes around the offense were were really poor. And we've seen them work through that at certain points. Like the start of the Lions game was was that way. And they were able to work through some things. But then with the Herbert injury, that basically was just like taken away from them. Um you know, the the uh, like there's going to be a lot of offensive line takes and like I'm not saying that they played well, but just to like get this out there, like everything that happened today, in my opinion, is purely on the coaching staff from a pass rush standpoint. It's not like this was, you know, just Max Crosby just like kicking a right tackles ass and like you have no chance of like stopping him unless you double team him like the Broncos defensive coaching staff was throwing the kitchen sink at Justin Herbert. They threw it at Easton Stick, and they had no answer for it. That, to me, is coaching. It was a ton of free rushers. You know, Herbert would come to the line, and, and he would see a look, and he would kill, kill to the second part of that sequence. And then McMillian comes right off the edge, free rusher, and gets a strip sack. And that was the entire game. You know, Joshua Kelly, Austin Eckler, Isaiah Spiller, whatever back it was didn't matter. Your backs have to show up in those premium moments to protect your quarterback, and they did not do a good enough job. I think essentially it led to Joshua Kelly getting benched because we didn't really see him for the bulk of that game. Um, you know, but to me, this was firmly on the offensive coaching staff not having answers for what the Denver Broncos were prepared to do today. And it's not like this was a completely different you know, Denver Broncos defensive approach, like they do this every single game. <laughs> this is who Vance Joseph is to a T. And this is, this was inexcusable from the Chargers offensive coaching staff. This was uh, Kellen or Brendan Nugent. Like this was a terrible, terrible game, the game plan approach from them. You had free rushers all day living in the backfield. So again, there's going to be the offensive line is ass. The offensive line is trash. I'm not here to defend them. But to me, this was a failure of the offensive coaching staff first and foremost. And then we can get to the offensive line discussion because everything that the Broncos were throwing at them was completely game plan related. It was not like personnel related. Like the offensive line wasn't losing one-on-ones. It was just, here's a free rusher. Here's a simulated pressure. And listen, man, Vance Joseph is extremely creative with those, but you should have been prepared for at least some of the stuff that they were doing because they've been doing it every single year, every single week, every single year that Vance Joseph has been around. So, you know, blame whoever you want. First and foremost, Kellen Moore and the offensive coaching staff are at the top of the list today, yep. loss in the way that that went down. Yeah, that was dreadful. And it wasn't even, like you said, it's different when, if you're watching, let's say, like the Jets, and the guys are just losing. Like, these guys are just losing their one-on-ones. And they're, like, that is... Also on coaching, sure, but the players need to execute and do their job too. When there's just free rusher after free rusher after free rusher, yeah. and there's clearly no answer from the offense, there's nothing that Herbert can do, there's nothing picked up by the backs, there's, there's nothing there. Yes, you are right. I do feel at this point, and it, we could have talked about this at several points throughout the year, but today just was fine. I, just, I don't want to hear the Corey Lindsley thing anymore. Yeah. Of course, they'd be better with him out there. Of course. But I mean, Herbert with the fourth sack before the second quarter was even over is getting destroyed out there as he has in most every single game. And the Chargers inability to pick up a free rusher. At, yeah, it is on coaching at this point. Yes. I mean, Joshua Kelly's got to execute. That's also there. But it, it's it's dreadful and unacceptable. And not that the season really had a whole life, a lot of life left anyway, but because of those pass protection issues, which have not been fixed really since week one at the end of no. that game some games have been better last week was better but because nothing has been fixed since week one you're out of the postseason and your quarterback might be having season ending surgery i'm not saying that's for sure haven't yeah. heard the presser yet but he's clearly didn't play the second half of this game is pretty much not going to play this game against the raiders your season's over your quarterback's hurt you couldn't figure anything out with the offensive line that you had and frankly Again, for all the defense, with all the crap we give the defense, these guys are too good 
I think at least there's enough good players in there for the defense to have been good this bad for most of the season. Same applies to this offensive line. There's too there's too many good players, I yeah. think, along this offensive line for them to have been this bad for this long. So yeah, it, it's a it's a coaching failure at this point. And goodbye to the postseason. There it went. Yeah. So Chargers at five and eight. And again, you mentioned it, just the the vibes, right? Like we were all so excited today because Philip Rivers makes his return to 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 SoFi. You know, this is the first time he's been around the franchise since his retirement. And, you know, all of the pictures and everything like that. And it, it, it was, you know, the Michael Davis interception maybe was a part of that adrenaline. I don't know, but it was such a it was a day that should have been more positive than it was. Um, it's just been an extremely frustrating season. And then today, I know it's not like it's not week 18, right? But today felt like the end of the season, like just the way that this game has gone down. Um, I guess Brandon Staley now confirming that Brandon Staley has an index finger fracture. Um, you know, we'll see what happens there, but it, it, it's not good, right? Like he was declared out immediately. Matt Ryan was on the broadcast saying that, you know, with your your index finger is like extremely important to throwing the football, obviously. And so if you have a broken finger on your index finger, you, like he's not coming back anytime soon. Like, you know, I'm not a medical person, obviously, but to me, that's like a three week injury at minimum. And then why would he come back for week 18? Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. So, you know, we'll see Easton stick the rest of the way, but just to to get back to the coaching staff here with Furman, and I think you're you're really seeing this across the league. If you have a high end offensive line coach, like <laughs> embrace it, man, because you never know. Like the, when the Chargers had Frank Smith, like we didn't see these kind of issues, and it's not like that offensive line was elite. Like obviously you had Slater playing at an All Pro level, and obviously you had Corey Lindsley, and Matt Filer was playing better that season. But they had Michael Schofield at from week four on, who they signed off off of the street. And they were starting Storm Norton basically the entire season. And you never saw issues like this. Never. And, you know, I was hopeful that, like, the combination of, like, Herbert taking that next step forward from, like, a, a processing and responsibility standpoint. You get Kellen Moore in here. You get Doug Nussmeyer in here. And, like, things would be better. And it's been worse all season. Since the start of the season, we, the Chargers have had issues with simulated pressures. And it has gotten worse and worse and worse from that point in the season. And for whatever I think of like the bones of Kellen Moore's offense, what he's done from a pass protection standpoint and Brendan Nugent as well, because he's the offensive line coach, what the two of them have put out this season is extremely subpar. Like mm -hmm. the, the things that the Chargers have been struggling with and that they struggled with today, they have struggled with the entire season and it has cost them games. Like, the, the end of game sequences that have everybody so frustrated are due in large part to the protection plans that Brendan Nugent and Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert have put together for this entire season. And if you have a better protection plan, maybe you beat the Dolphins in week one. If you have a better protection plan, you definitely beat the Tennessee Titans in week two, you know, but these issues have continued to pop up time and time again. The only time that they've really been good at it was against the Vikings in week three. So, and I guess kind of somewhat last week, um, but it, it, it cost them the season, really. This, this main issue on offense has cost them the season, and now it has cost Justin Herbert a broken finger for the second time this season. It's the details. It's the details that Kellen Moore is currently lacking, which I think that we are all excited about Kellen Moore, the play caller. I do believe, like you said, the bones of what he is trying to do, the passing game in particular, sometimes even the run game, it all makes some sense. I'm, you know, I think kind of positively of it. I see what they're trying to do. Guys do get open, but it's the details. And I think that's where we see the difference between what Kellen Moore was with McCarthy versus where he is with the Chargers, where McCarthy, there's a bit more checks and balances. There's obviously a veteran presence there as the head coach. Things are, are figured out. Whatever Kellen Moore maybe didn't have, McCarthy was able to provide over here. While Brandon Staley is in on those meetings, of course, just it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same, and things are not working out. And if you look at Kellen Moore's history, you know he does. He did spend a lot of time, of course, with with Dallas, but his whole coaching career up until this point was quarterbacks coach or quarterback, quarterbacks coach, pass game coordinator, offensive coordinator. 
you look at like someone like Frank Smith, and maybe now granted he wasn't the OC for this team, and technically he doesn't call the plays for the Dolphins, but he has such a varied background with offensive line, being yeah. the tight ends coach, being the run game coordinator, that sort of thing. Like, and I think that's why you saw, you know, what's why Frank Smith is so much more successful. I think is because there's an aspect where he just understands more of the offense than Kellen Moore does right now. Maybe not that he understands it more, but he understands how to get each of the pieces to work together better. Um, so yeah, for, I mean, that's kind of my, I mean, someone just pointed out Austin Jackson's career is yeah. basically completely resurrected. He's like yeah. top five in PBE after being a dreadful, like horribly bad offensive lineman for a very long time. Uh, Frank Smith, man, working magic. Uh, he's going to get a head coaching job somewhere and he seems to be a good guy, but that's a whole other story. But point is, if anyone Panthers are looking for Kellen Moore to be a head coaching candidate next season, if you can't even take the details of everything that's not Justin Herbert and maybe to Keenan Allen, if you can't even take those details just on offense and get them sorted out, there's no way you're going to cover everything else that you need to do as a head coach. Um, This game, really the whole season, but this game in particular, just not a strong showing from Kellen Moore. And I would not hire him to be a head coach at this point. No, I think even as, you know, as an offensive coordinator, like I, I, I don't know if I like if the, I Chargers had an, if the Chargers had an offensive coordinator opening again, and this is like the kind of coach I was looking at. Like, you know, there's similar coaches out here that have this same kind of tra- trajectory. Like, you know, Mike LaFleur, for example, like comes to my mind right now. Like what he did his last season with the Jets was this kind of same kind of stuff. You know, he obviously was not as an offensive coordinator as long, but like we didn't even really talk about Michael Floor as, a, as an offensive coordinator candidate, if if I remember correctly. And this is the situation that Kellen Moore is going to be in. Like he he might have to take a step down and go be a quarterbacks coach somewhere because I just this has been a really bad showing. If he can get some functional offense out of Easton Stick, maybe that changes. Um, that's kind of one of the reasons why we got excited about Kellen Moore is that he was able to lead a functional offense with Cooper Rush, Annie Dalton, all these guys. And, you know, obviously when you had Dak Prescott, you had an elite offense. And so it's like, okay, Kellen Moore can kind of, you know, maximize the offense when things are are suboptimal and things are suboptimal right now. And the offense certainly has not been maximized. They've scored uh, one touchdown in their last two games. So it's just been, and this was kind of a, a garbage time touchdown today. So, it's just really frustrating. You know, the offensive vibes cannot be any lower, um, you know, at this point in time. We'll see what happens with Easton Stick. And again, maybe we'll get to his play today. But, you know, you've, you do have some injuries to his credit, I guess. They've they've certainly had their sh- their fair share of injuries. But like you mentioned to me, it's just been like all of the details that are required out of, you know, high-end offensive play callers are just not there for Kellen Moore. And I thought that the first three weeks they were there. And now they are are just not. So it, it's just really frustrating. And, um, you know, I totally get, like, why people are mad at the offense because it's not like that unit was going to play well even with Justin in there. Like, I'm sure they probably would have, you know, managed to get more than seven points out of that second half. But it's just – it's really frustrating to watch, you know, Argent pointed this out. Four years of Justin Herbert's rookie contract are, are done. He's now an expensive quarterback. It becomes much more difficult to build around him. And uh, the Chargers have zero playoff wins to show for it. It's it's truly embarrassing. And you know, I'm messaging with with fans and people that we talk to back and forth. It's just like, what what do the Chargers do? What where do they go? What free agent are you attracting? Like, okay, you let's go play here. You got to take less money because we have no cap right now, and you're gonna get taxed the heck out of it. Uh, it's a new situation again with with so many things to changing. I'm sure, like where do you go from here i don't i really do not know the answer to that there's going to be so much change and i mean thankfully the chargers have the quarterback for that yeah but yeah uh, my mom pointed out let's let's look to next season because yeah we we're looking to next season yeah which is it's december 10th yeah so, you know, people were like reaching out to me after I, I tweeted out like, oh, like the Chargers, if they lose this game, they're they're likely eliminated, you know, and it's like, well, they, they still would have a chance. It's like I, that that chance is completely gone. Like Justin Herbert is injured. He's got a fractured index finger on his throwing hand. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's back. 
anytime in the next couple of weeks. So you're looking at, you know, four games of Easton stick and, and we'll see what happens there. But, you know, the chargers are five and eight right now. They pick number 10 in the draft. They have the same exact record as the Las Vegas Raiders who they play uh, on Thursday night on a short week after this kind of performance. Granted the Raiders got shut out at home today. So it's probably also just as frustrating there. Um, that game might be like another six to zero game. <laughs> Um, if the Chargers lose on Thursday night and the Bears continue to figure some things out, the Chargers could be barreling towards a top five pick. So I guess if you're looking for optimism, that's where we're at, potentially having a top five pick. Great. I have a top seven big board right now. It's pretty sick. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's nice. pretty good. So uh, <laughs> uh, getting ready. Uh, it, it felt nice to be able to feel like we had a few more weeks to just, I can get a, you know, a few players in here and there. Uh, it, it starts today, I feel like, at this point. So, yeah, not fun. All right, official uh, update here from our guy, Jameson, who does uh, fantastic work for us um, on our channel from a medical standpoint. Confirmed index finger. There's a world, if it's minor, he could play in around four weeks, but I think it's highly unlikely we see him again this season because less than four weeks means he's back for week 18. Like, I I don't understand why he would even come back at that point. So, uh Let's uh let's talk about Mr. Easton Stick because we're gonna see a lot of him over the next few weeks. This is an important stretch for him. Uh, obviously, you know his uh, contract is up at the end of the season. You know he's probably gonna be eyeing some some backup money. Uh, what did you think of the way Easton Stick played today, Tyler? I think he played about like the backup quarterback jumping into the middle of a game, but I mean that in kind of just like a you know okay kind of way. There they scored a touchdown. First off, so that's good. That was better than the first half of the game. I thought there were plenty of moments where he looked very poised in the short game. Obviously, the deep throw to Quentin Johnson was great. Um, I, I kind of felt like, and with the run game supporting him along the way to an extent, not not all the time, they went zero yards and jumbo packages on back-to-back plays. Um, but I felt like, okay, like we can you know, see a couple of points put up here. But then there was the pocket presence stuff, which is, you know, there was a, it was kind of boomer bust, you know, like there were some plays that, okay, pretty good. And then there was the one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. It was like three sack times, fumble. Yeah. yeah. Like three times during the game, you know, and one thankfully was, was overturned, I guess, but it, it, the, he looked like a backup quarterback. He looked yeah. like kind of like Easton stick has done in the preseason, but I don't know what else I expected. So it wasn't completely disappointing, but it wasn't completely like, hey, the Chargers could not go win on Thursday either. No, definitely not. Like, the, the you know, the Chargers are not one of these teams that has like a Gardner Minshew or an Annie Dalton type of quarterback with lots of starting experience where he can come in and like stabilize the offense. But, you know, I, I thought there were some moments from Easton Sick. I thought his throw to Keenan Allen over the middle was really nice. I thought obviously the deep shot to Quentin was really nice. Um, I, I am curious to see like what the offense looks like. Uh, are you replacing your smoke alarm right now? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> looks like Tyler's going to go replace that. Um, so I do think that there is a world where you have a, uh, some time to game plan with Easton stick. Maybe he's able to be more of a threat with his legs. That's, that's kind of what I would lean into. In this kind of situation where the Chargers were at, you're not really going to get that kind of opportunity. Um, but, you know, the, the pocket presence on the deep drops is certainly an issue. If you are really leaning into like the RPO aspect of things, really leaning into his mobility, maybe you can get some kind of relatively functional offense out of Easton Stick and his starts. But this is hilarious also, by the way. I, I can't believe this is happening. We got <laughs> a live smoke detector change. I kind of wish he was still filming himself to see what that would look like, but uh, it is what it is. Um, so, you know, if you guys are here in the chat, let us know what you think about uh, the way Easton Stick played. Um, I thought that, you know, given some given the circumstances, he played okay, which is is fine. Unfortunately, you know, there's not that many quality backups in the league that can come in and 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 handle that kind of situation, especially with the way the Broncos defense was playing. Um, for those asking, um, you know, I assume Max Duggan will get onto the active roster to be the backup, but I would be shocked if they played him. Like the Chargers actively 
Like we're not giving him touches, not giving him snaps during the preseason. Like it was, it was the preseason was all about like developing Easton stick and getting him those reps. Um, even the scrimmages, things like that. Um, it just was all about Easton stick. So, you know, I would be shocked if Max Duggan plays at all, unless obviously something happens to Easton stick, which would be not ideal. So it's going to be stick for the rest of the season. In my opinion, we'll see official diagnosis here, but I would expect Justin Herbert to be placed on an injured reserve this week. Max Duggan gets on to the active roster and Easton stick is starting for the rest of the way. All right. Get to some of these super chats here. Appreciate all these as always make the transition <laughs> says I could have gone fishing instead of watching that. Uh, Peyton coached like the coach this game. Like it was personal. I don't know if I necessarily agree with Sean Payton coaching like it was personal. Tyler is back. Yeah, um, he did. I feel like he could have easily ran the score way further up if he really, if it was really that personal. Um, that's just my opinion. But, you know, at the end of the game, I, what I will say is kind of personal to me. The The Broncos' last touchdown was a play-action fake of the exact same concept that the Jaguars used twice last year to end the Chargers on those two days. There's been several instances this season where the other teams have used that same concept. Um, and the Broncos are the first team to play action fake off of it. And it completely fooled everybody. And Adam Trapperman was completely wide open in the end zone. So that's fun, I guess. Yeah, it was neat. Uh, it, honestly, it made me laugh at least. So I got a little giggle out of it. Watching <laughs> just, you know, them. yeah, that was, that was interesting. Uh, sorry, my my smoke alarm was just picking up the fire at SoFi right now. All the the, the burning trash pile of the season and, and what's going. But you on changed it, right? Yeah, I, I put a new battery in it. It's amazing how fast That's you can good. find a random battery in your drawer. I kind of uh, wish yeah. you had like kept the camera on you if you had been able to do that. Obviously, your camera's kind of stationary. It just, but... just would have been like my junk in the camera. <laughs> I'm changing the smoke detector. So uh, nobody wants that this season. Trust me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, all right. Another super chat here from Jordan. Uh, what does the offense do well, Tyler? What do you think? You know, for a second there, I almost thought running the ball today because it felt like they were better in more moments. I thought Eckler suddenly looked a lot younger and more youthful on some of his runs than he did previously. Um, actually, what, what was the final output for the running backs? It was definitely better. Uh, Joshua Kelly didn't do much, but he didn't get a ton. Yeah, Eckler, 5.1 yards per carry. Spiller, 3.2. Kelly, 2. Chargers averaged four yards per carry on the ground. That was hey. um, we did it. Yay. Woo. Woo. Yes, more than um, two. Woo. Yeah, more than two. We did it. <laughs> um, so what do they do well? Uh, Keenan, like, what does the offense do well? I don't know. Get Keenan Allen Throw open, of, I guess. Yeah. But that feels like yeah. it's a him thing too. Yeah. So there's that. Um, they, I'll tell you what, man. Those players can wear the heck out of those jerseys. I'll tell you what, like those those jerseys, that color combo looks good really today. good. Like, yeah, they do really, really well with that. Um, it's so yeah, that's, it. that's all I got. It's basically it's basically just been like Herbert and Keenan, and if teams can take away Keenan, we get six yeah. points against the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. If the Vikings had Pat Sertan and McMillan and these guys, it's a very different game, I think. Yeah, McMillan was super impressive. Granted, he, was. he had the free rushes, but I was I was very impressed. Um, Joseph Harbaugh is the only person that can fix this mess. I don't think Harbaugh is going to be available. Uh, we can't really say a ton about like coaching status, obviously, but I think Harbaugh is hustling Michigan as he has done for the last three seasons. That's kind of what Jim Harbaugh does. Yes, Harbaugh back at Michigan. Yippee! Yeah, I thought that was John smoke. Webb thought that the smoke detector was his. Uh, appreciate the super chat there. Uh, you know, it, it is what it is. We dealt with um, Alex's birds for all those years. We can deal with one game of uh, one half hour stream of Tyler and a faulty smoke detector. Hopefully not faulty. If I don't wake up tomorrow. I, sorry, I, I didn't put the battery in the right way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's up, Chargers fans? Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before NFL games, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before Chargers kickoff. Hey, it's Tyler from the Guilty as Charged podcast. I'm here to talk about prize picks. Prize picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. Watch your progress update in real time win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. PrizePix offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers. Players can enjoy community-wide promotions, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I've loved using PrizePix so far. This week's I've got Justin Herbert with more than 284.5 passing yards and Keenan Allen with more than 82.5 receiving yards. To make your selections, go to prizepicks.com slash guilty and use code guilty for our first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. Yeah. Um, Mark Matlock, excuse me, Mark Matlock. Any relation to Scott, by the way? Uh, Just curious there. But, um, oh, he said Scott with a, uh, maybe he is related. I don't know. Uh, the answer to your question, though, Mark, I think is Khalil Keenan and Cameron Dicker. And I would say Darius Davis is a return specialist as well. Uh, so I would say the, the four of them. Uh, yeah. Khalil Keenan. Dicker. Um, I don't know who votes on like special teams. Gunner, like Dean Leonard, you know, like that, I guess. But no. I think the, the guys you said. Brandon Staley apparently stated in his presser that they aren't out of this yet. At least he didn't make a Pearl Harbor reference. Or, or a 9-11 reference. Or a 9-11 reference. My God. <laughs> I could not believe that story. Yeah, I thought the direction... If you're going to go with the direction for that, I thought it would be like how the country rallied together like the firefighters after. like yes. during the day yes yes not the direction that he went that i wouldn't even repeat because i could not believe what i read i was um, shocked that that was happening yeah uh never tried that one and i don't think i will i think i'll leave that no. one out of my uh teaching inventory of inspiring quotes <laughs> I will not be using Sean McDermott for inspirational counseling moments myself. <laughs> well, wait, did they win today? Uh, I don't know. Uh, people let us know in the chat if the if the Bills won. Oh, they won. They won. Nice. Which See, honestly is you never, great. You never. <laughs> it's great because it means we get to watch Josh Allen in the playoffs as opposed to yes. Mitch Trubisky. And although Trevor Lawrence did play today, but like CJ Stroud got hurt today. Like yeah. every court, every team in the AFC, AFC. is dealing with backups. Uh, so I would very much like to see Josh Allen in the playoffs instead of terrible backup quarterbacks. Although apparently Joe Flacco is like elite again. So that's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, he looked pretty good. Uh, and that's what like, if you're looking for an offensive coordinator or, or head coach that is a play caller of the future, look for those moments. Now, to be fair, that's what we thought with Kellen Moore when he had like Cooper rush and things still worked, but look for those guys. Like the running game is still going for Cleveland. Like, no matter what, they've got a great foundation. Um, 
stump Mitchell for offensive coordinator or something for some team. Yeah, man. I like. I think you you can always tell what an offensive coordinator is really capable of when guys are out and the work that the Browns are doing right now is incredible. Like Joe Flacco <laughs> comes off the street and looks like a legitimately like functional quarterback. And mm-hmm. he's their fourth quarterback to play this year. Uh, just incredible work being done there. You know, like I, I don't think that Drew Petzine in Arizona will get a head coaching job this year. Although maybe there's going to be enough teams with openings, but like what he was doing with Josh Dobbs and then switching to, uh, Clayton Toon for a couple games and then switching back to Kyler Murray for now. So you can always tell what a, what an offensive coordinator is truly capable of when the quarterback injuries start to pile up. Because it's one thing to have like an injury at guard or having some wide receiver injuries. Like if you lose your starting quarterback, like it changes everything that mm-hmm. you were trying to do. So um, again, that's maybe kind of an opportunity for Kellen Moore to save his candidacy as an external head coaching candidate is these next few weeks with Easton Stick, if he's able to make the offense look functional, which he hasn't been able to do with Justin Herbert for the last three weeks. (laughs) Uh, We'll see what happens. But, yeah, man, it's just really frustrating. That's where the Chargers are at. They're 5-8. and They have a top-10 pick. If they lose on Thursday, they're barreling towards a top-five pick and uh, not a ton of positivity to be had today on a day that should have been positive. Um, I guess we could talk about favorite Antonio Gates moments. I don't know. Um, just really unfortunate that these games where they're honoring these all-time greats are terrible games. So would like to see that that script flipped for sure. Um, but shout out to Gates, man. Brought all of the Chargers legends back, including Philip Rivers, Eric Weddle, all these guys that have been kind of distant from the franchise for very different reasons, obviously. Uh, but it was cool to see all these guys come back to honor him and uh, speaks to the kind of player and person he was. So shout out to Andrew and Gates. I hope he at least uh, enjoyed his enshrinement ceremony. I'm sure he did. And I don't know what to expect. And sometimes these games, you know, you do things at halftime where you're not winning or the crowd's not really into it, or it's not even much of a game, but I I did sort of feel bad. You know, they've got the little blue stand down there for him and the little backdrop and his family. And then you just kind of can see in the background, just orange or empty seats and that that skates halftime ceremony uh rivers i thought was absolutely uh not happy during that interview and i don't think it had anything to do with like the chargers organization or rivers or whatever like i think he was gen he seemed genuinely disturbed by what was going on in like <laughs> on the, the field. game yeah. yes like he looked genuinely emotionally invested in what was going on and was truly unhappy with the product on the field and Herbert getting killed out there. And you could just see yeah. his gears were turning during that interview. I thought that was interesting. Like I, I could see why he'd be a good coach in any capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Just was frustrating, man. I, uh, it was, it was really cool to see like all the positive, like Antonio Gates, Phil Rivers moments this week. And just was hoping for a better showing obviously today. So, um, Tyler, any final thoughts on the game uh, before we kind of start taking some questions and things like that? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have much to add. We didn't talk about the defense. I thought the rush was there in some moments, but I thought the Chargers got worked there, and they're lucky that Judy dropped three other passes or didn't score on others. Yeah, I mean, this game really felt like thirty-five to seven. Yeah, so I. I Special teams was good. So, right. It was another good J.K. Scott showing for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Davis Davis didn't really get a chance to do anything. Obviously, Cameron Dicker didn't get any attempts, which yeah. for a couple of different reasons. You know, Brandon Staley <laughs> taking the points a couple of times. But mm-hmm. that's, that's where we're at right now where we're not even discussing like Brandon Staley, like game management decisions today. So, fun. Yeah. What was frustrating, or not not frustrating, that's the wrong word. What was disappointing was Khalil was, like, so close, like, two or three times to get Russ, and and credit to Russ to, you know, get out of those those situations. But, you know, it was was disappointing to see that Khalil couldn't really make a stamp on this game. They were double-teaming him, chipping him on every single play. It was 
I'm sure he was just like extremely frustrated with like not being able to get home. So uh, we'll see what happens. We get another revenge game this week on Thursday against the Raiders. So hopefully we can get, you know, a couple sacks in that game and uh, continue to ratchet up his, his total number. But um, Kyle Loomis, we'll start with here. So um, any, any uh, other questions you guys have, we'll get to some of them. Super chats. Always appreciated. Like I, like I've always said, we, we are very thankful for your guys' support. And uh, none of it would be happening. None of this would be happening without you guys here. So uh, Kyle says, hate the way this season is ending, especially with Rivers in the house. Thanks for continuing to provide this platform where fans can vent. No, that's very kind of you, Kyle. You, you, I think, tend to be in here not even asking us questions as much, but more just showing support with the Super Chats, which is really generous of you. So I, I appreciate that and, and all of you guys. Yeah. Um. Isaac says that he's drowning himself uh, enjoying the night, guys. Hopefully that doesn't mean literally. Uh, hopefully you're you're having a good time and uh, bouncing back from this. So I think it's important that we acknowledge that the Chargers are a part of our lives. They are not our whole life. And uh, hopefully you guys can find some joy in another aspect. Like I'm going to go eat dinner with my family and uh, have a good time tonight. So yeah, you guys can do the same. I've never invested more time in the Chargers than I have the last couple of years, but I am significantly less emotionally invested in the Chargers than I have yeah. been over the last few years. Like, you know, it's just different. A lot of time spent into it, but less of like me. And I'm less devastated by these losses yeah. and things like that. For sure. For sure. And I think also some of that is like where the both of us are at in our lives. Like, you know, you're fresh off getting married. You've gotten your teaching credential. Like I've gotten mm -hmm. my counseling stuff and everything. So, um, hopefully you guys are able to find an escape from the thing, which is supposed to be your escape, <laughs> which is the charge of the football on Sunday. So, um, New Jersey Savage here. What is your ideal off season for the chargers? Frankly, I don't even really care about the off season and what it means from like an ideal standpoint. I just want to see the chargers win games and like actually be a consistent franchise. So, uh, we'll have a lot of time to really dissect these things, but, um, at this point I'm up for whatever, whatever comes, that means the chargers are taking steps toward becoming like a legitimate contending franchise, because mm -hmm. I think they have the core players to be much better than they are right now, even with all the injuries. So, uh, we'll talk about some specifics and things like that in the coming months, but, um, whatever it takes, honestly, I'm game for. Me too. And you know, we're not we're not too far from getting clarity. Yeah. Uh Joe Cruz, this is a short week, so we have to keep Brandon Staley when we lose on Thursday. Is that the perfect time to fire him? Um, listen, man, like I we can't get into specifics, but the Chargers generally like to play the season out. I think that's what we can say. You you, you don't you, I, I mean it's as ridiculous as it sounds. You keep stability around Easton Stick. Yeah, if he's the start of the rest of the way, yeah, and you know, we'll we'll talk about it all in January, I guess. Kevin, escape your escape. Being a Charger fan is inception. Yeah. Uh, for those wondering about like draft stuff tyler has started uh you've gotten seven players done who are the seven players you've watched oh let me let me bring it up just make sure it is seven it's either seven or eight um i jumped to typically like the first or second best players at each position just to kind of get a feel so um it's actually eight players <laughs> so bowers yeah. neighbors law to turner mckinstry um is it, it's not it's not oduns it's odunze odunze thank you yep um Mitchell from Texas, Adonai Mitchell, and then um, Henderson, the running back from Ohio State, which is such a random group of people for me to to look at. But I was just curious, like, okay, if the Chargers, because like this was after the Chargers talked about running backs, roles changing and things, kind of like they did yeah. today. I was like, okay, let me check out the best running back in the class, like according to the draft board. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, it's like the linebacker class, I think, if this is any indication. Last year's the running back class, class, I mean. Feels like last year's linebacker class. Sweet. Love that. Love that e for a except, team. Yeah. And I think Campbell was better than, than Henderson. I only watched like two games, so bear with me. But yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. Yeah. 
So I've watched uh, Brock Bowers and Jatavion Sanders. I think that's the name is the two tight ends that are considered oh, yeah. like the top uh-huh. two tight ends. Um, so I'm kind of going to like jump around and do like top two at positions of need. Um, I'll probably do some of the receivers next. Um, although Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably going to be an easy scout. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's really freaking good. I think if he had come out last year, he would have been wide receiver one. Obviously, he was not able yeah. to. Uh, yeah. But, you know, this this receiver group seems like it's truly top yeah. tier. Um, you talked about Malik neighbors very positively. So I'm excited to get to that one. Um, from a tight end standpoint, uh, the drop off from Brock Bowers to Jatavian Sanders is like Canyon sized. I like, I wanted a point of reference for Brock Bowers and I got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sanders, I think if he were in last year's class would be like tight end nine or 10. Like it's, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that there are some other tight ends that can like, you know, really stand out to me in a more positive way. I know that there's, you know, how state tight end. I know there's one from Minnesota that people mm-hmm. like, so yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see what it is, but Brock Bowers, man, incredibly talented player. Like one of my, like we, we said this a couple of weeks ago when you're we watching, uh, or I guess it was like a couple months now. Jesus, that's crazy. When we were talking about Thule and how like I was watching Thule and just like laughing, you know, and like, yeah, uh-huh. when I was watching Brock Bowers, I just was like cackling in this office. Like I, I, it was insane watching Brock Bowers on tape. Yeah, uh, definitely the case there. I guess if you know the other sort of generational tight end prospect was Kyle Pitts, and in that class, the next best guy was like Brevin Jordan. Yeah, you know, and it was a pretty dramatic drop off, and I, it sounds like it's it's similar. Um, yeah. Neighbors would have been wide receiver one last class, um, especially with like if I'm ta- if it's close in the grade, JSN you know being hurt the previous year wouldn't you know I probably would have put neighbors up in front. Um, I think I would have had neighbors in front of Garrett Wilson. Um, wow, one of that class. So all right, I, I think Wilson is definitely the better like pure technical route runner, and I, I do want to see more of neighbors before I sort of believe that. But yes, sure. I do feel like I do feel like neighbors. One has obviously obviously a first round grade for me, and two, like he would have been with like probably Waddle that year um, of the twenty twenty one class. I don't think it would have been like Chase, and then Smith. Probably it was for me. It was Chase Smith Waddle. Um, so I think neighbors would have been more like where Waddle was, but still like a, a very 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 good player. Yeah, and Latu looks like Jermaine Johnson with better technique. Like. Oof. Like it's it's just like can you yeah. also do everything and play the run and bend? Yeah. And like it's like you got to be kidding me. This guy is ridiculous. In two years of elite production, it's like 130 yeah. pressures and 30 sacks in two years. I mean, it's just like he's number one in every statistical category or two at worst. Uh, it's just bizarre. Like he's just he's excellent statistically. He's great. He's going to be there with like Hutchinson kind of you know grade range sort of stuff because he's freaking good. Yeah, Layatu Latu is is fantastic, man. He um he's giving Utah a ton of problems. So uh, you know, he's he's a fantastic player. It the edge rusher class, I think, is not getting much love right now, but I really enjoyed watching Dallas Turner last year. Um, mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed Liatu Latu. So those are two guys that I think could at least like threaten for the top 10 picks. So we'll see what happens. But uh there was a question earlier in the chat. Um from Isabel, is it still CB or tight end as the top choice in the draft? I think from a, again, in my opinion, looking at the roster, like just from the pure roster, like cornerback is is their top need. Yes. But at this point, they're barreling towards a pick where they are not going to be in a range where you're probably taking a cornerback in this class. Um, you're looking at, you're not going to get Marvin Harrison because I, I, I think there's going to be some teams that have a stranglehold on the, and not on that third pick. Um, you're not going to get Marvin Harrison Jr., but you're mm-hmm. probably looking at Brock Bowers, Malik Neighbors, one of the offensive tackles, and making a strength stronger and adding to the offense. So, you know, of course, they could certainly trade down, and it is December, but it sounds like from everything that you're kind of watching and what everybody else has watched, you know, I listen to like Dane Brugler and all these guys who are doing draft content throughout the year. And it sounds like the top 10 picks could really could realistically be like all offensive players. And now with the Herbert yeah. injury, that's where the chargers are going to be. So um, yeah, going to be an offensive addition, most likely if they stick in the top 10. Uh, 
So we'll see what happens there. But you're you're getting a great weapons class, it sounds like, from, yeah. from everything that I'm hearing right now. Yeah, and if you don't need a weapon, go get a tackle, which sounds like you have two elite ones there. Um, definitely has not been great in the tackle to pros translation sort of market the last couple of years. Really since, you know, Slater, Sewell, Darrow saw those guys. Um, it hasn't been great there. I, I do think there's a, a I think there's a drop off between neighbors and Odunze. I'm sorry, how do you say it again? Odunze. Odunze, pardon me. Um, and I always call him Romeo too. I'm gonna I'll get that figured out. Of course they're gonna draft him, so I have to figure it out or something. Yeah. By the way, he's completely a Tom Telesco uh pick oh yeah he's big tall yeah he's jump ball guy yeah no yeah, he's yeah. If, if he's there and the chargers just want their auto mike williams replacement that uh, uh, <laughs> neighbors is probably like fourth on the consensus board he's never there um for the chargers i, I tried a uh, simulation he's never there yeah. um mckinstry i yeah i don't i did have to trade back it would hopefully hopefully it would be a team that really wants like Jaden daniels um, Heisman winner, Jaden Daniels, and wants yeah. to move up to go get Crazy him or something. Um, but yeah, McKinstry, it would be behind Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Porter Jr. from last year, maybe Banks. And I, I'm not particularly someone who likes corners who don't like play the run yeah. super well. Um, awesome in coverage. And, you know, you hold LSU to like 28 yards in two years, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. So that's really good. But, you know, some, some guys like Gonzalez, like Witherspoon, they go up and play the run too. Yeah. Again, I haven't started the cornerback the class. We'll get to them. But, um, yeah. you know, Gavino and Alex Katzen both really liked, like the, the day two corners. Mm. So that could be a, a, a potential place where the Chargers go looking. Yeah. Um, but if they're in the top 10, I, I feel like it's an offensive pick at this point. Again, that can certainly change. Center is definitely on the table in the draft as a whole. But, you don't take centers in the first round unless they're like an elite, like generational prospect. Um, like Creed Humphrey was a late second round pick, which was ridiculous. 100%. Yeah. But it's, it's not a position that goes very highly. Um, I do absolutely think they need to draft a center hundred percent. You'd have to draft one. Even if Corey Lindsley does come back. Yeah. Um, there's a great one out of Oregon. There's a great one in West Virginia, but it doesn't really sound like there's, many other options yeah the chargers you don't go into the draft with no center so yeah. and i yeah. or or just brendan hymas we'll see what happens with will clap maybe he can return again because it's better to have somebody than no one sure and chemistry is important than not you know starting fresh with another veteran um but they, they can't afford one they can't draft one in the first round nor should they there's no player you yeah. know even even like linderbaum was a projected first round maybe start of second round pick but he was like a top 25 player on a board which is more position value yeah um powers johnson is like 40th 50th on the consensus board which could For change sure. things like things change dramatically but no you, yeah we, we talked about i think you and i talked about when what's the earliest the Chargers should have taken a center last class i think we just said like third round you know find one of these guys take someone in the third round get your heir apparent yeah. um Although I did not expect it to be because of this. So we'll see. But the Chargers are, you can't, you can prepare for things like this, but you can't. Like you also can't prepare for Lindsley, whatever the situation is. Like there's an extent where there's just, you know, an injury maybe, but like this, whatever this is, so hard to account for. Um, yeah. I don't know how many rookie centers really come in and, and have performed well over the last few years. Tippman hasn't even been made able to play center. Does JMS start with the Giants? Schmitz looked good, but I think he was injured at least, yeah. or he potentially still could be. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Creed looked great. You mentioned Linderbaum; he kind of struggled a bit as a rookie, and he's looked great this year for sure. Yes. Um, but it, it is a position, you know. They, they say obviously, like the more like thinking and learning you have to do, like the more difficult it is to come in as a rookie. And like center, you have to handle the protections, yeah. which college teams these days there's not really many out there that have the center like really iding protections and things like that um so center center definitely is a possibility we we've kind of talked about a little bit about this scenario but this is assuming that Corey lindsey is away from the team if he's back i think that could change where you're looking at drafting things obviously if he is back yeah. you don't necessarily have to sign somebody 
But for me, like we looked at the free agency class of centers. Oh, geez. And it's it's <laughs> abysmal. So like, yeah. If you are Sans Corey Lindsley, if he decides to retire, I think your best bet is you draft one probably in the second round, probably Jackson Powers Johnson or that West Virginia guy. Um, and then you bring back Will Clapp as a veteran to kind yeah. of help him and, mm-hmm. and be that veteran backup. And I know people, I don't know, I, I feel like things have kind of eased up on that Will Clapp front. But to me, like as an individual, like he's played pretty well. Like he does some good things every once in a while. Um, so he's, he's a fine backup center for yeah. me. Um, I, I'm not opposed to him coming back. And really, the, there's no real like free agency upgrade out there that I'm like, yeah, like 100%, like, let's go sign this guy. Like the, the center free agency class is, is terrible and the Chargers don't really have the money. So for me, if you're without Corey Lindsley going forward, I think the best chance of really like upgrading your center spot is you take one early on day two. Will clap his back as your backup, and you kind of just go from there. What did you make of this one from uh, Daniel Popper on Khalil yeah. Mack wanting to potentially retire after the Jacksonville game? Uh, one, thank you for not, because I have no idea what the defense would have looked like yeah. this year. I, I'm curious how publicly that was known by the Chargers, and if taking Thule in the second round was any bit part of that. Obviously, there's, you know, Klimak, the the expense and the age so that's another factor but i'm curious i guess my next question is if Klimak was ready to hang it up um after this year that's what i'm that's what i'm asking you know like what obviously it seems like my guess is he he the charges would want him back whether via extension or keeping the same contract or whatever but if he was just good and ready to hang it up last year like i don't know man he he would almost be doing the team a favor at this point by sticking around yeah and that's the kind of guy he is he would he would do that yeah the retirement talk i think you know this is all according to daniel popper daniel popper wrote a great story about it if you missed it um he's in the story daniel popper wrote that brandon staley and tom telesco both knew about the consideration they reportedly gave him they gave him time to kind of step away and, and evaluate things. Khalil Mack's uh, fiance or wife, I can't remember specifically there, was like, hell no, you're not retiring. <laughs> uh, and obviously, like you said, like, I'm glad that he didn't. You know, he's been obviously the, the biggest bright spot on the defense right now and potentially the team. Um, so it, it's it was jarring to see. Like, you know, it, it's such a weird thing because, you know, these guys have – eight to 12 year careers these guys like of of his level some of them could go for a lot longer and i think this season could potentially like have revitalized khalil and and, like what he's been able to do he said in the story that like dominating individuals is like therapeutic for him (laughs) so that was that just kind of speaks to his mentality so i don't know man i i tend to think that he's gonna still want to keep playing like he talked about how important it is for him to get like 100 sacks and like get to this like kind of level like, I think he's very clearly somebody who is cognizant of his legacy and would want to, like, do everything possible to make sure he is a Hall of Fame player. And I think it's probably tough for him right now uh, unless he mm. continues to play more seasons, gets more sacks, maybe goes to another team and wins a ring, wins a ring with the Chargers, hopefully. Um, but I think he's going to play a few more years. Yeah. He doesn't strike me as someone who would force his way out. But at the no. same time, would any Chargers fan even be mad at that? <laughs> like, obviously, okay, some fans would be, but like, I don't think, like, I don't think he's the, I don't think he's the guy that could, that would want to force his way out. I don't think he would either. Like, I, even in Chicago, like, there wasn't a public trade request or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of something that happened behind the scenes. And I think that's what would happen here. I think it would just be kind of, a behind the scenes kind of situation. Yeah. Again, my my hope is that he stays. My my hope is that he stays and and can be this kind of, you know, culture setter for whatever comes next and and he's been super important in that. We know how important he is to Tuli and all these young guys. Quentin Johnson has had his moment with Khalil, so my hope is that he stays, but it it wouldn't shock me if if there was kind of a mutual agreement for him to, you know, go play for a contender cuz the Chargers are going to have 
we'll see what happens from a coaching staff and a GM standpoint. But from a roster standpoint, it's going to look very different next year. Like, there's no way around it. For the people in the chat saying, like, the cap is a myth. Like, ask the New Orleans Saints if the cap is a myth right now. You know, the Saints that are trying to, you know, milk everything out of that roster. And now everybody sucks there. And they're going to have to deal with that Derek Carr contract for the next two years. So, Mm. the cap is a myth to a certain extent. It is workable 100%. But the Chargers are going to have upwards of $60 million in dead cap on their cap sheet next year. And uh, they are not a franchise that likes to do that. No. Man. I hate that this is where we're at, man. Yeah. Because even I kind of felt it just for a moment there that the team would, even if the season was going to end, it'd be like against Buffalo. You know, yeah. Not that it one end today and two be also because Herbert is is hurt. So yeah. when it's to injury, it just kind of it just kind of sucks. Like mm-hmm. the players are going to continue to play hard because this is their job. Like they don't have a choice. The coaches are continuing to are going to continue to work hard because they don't have a choice. But the season is effectively over. You know, like. The Bengals had a heck of a win against the Jaguars last year. Uh, or not last year, excuse me, last week. But it mm-hmm. didn't really change their playoff chances at all. Like because they, you know, they have Jake Browning, they don't have Joe Burrow. So this is where they're at. Yeah. Raiders pick at eighth right now. Jets, thanks for winning, I guess. They're still ahead of the Chargers at ninth, but maybe yeah. they keep winning and, and roll with Zach Wilson. You know, they're a team that I don't know, let it rock. But yeah, Chargers at 10th lose to the Raiders this week and move up a good chunk. Uh, yeah, maybe the, maybe the Bowers dream is still alive. Yeah, maybe. Um, to your point though, I think like after when they got back to five and five, I was like, okay, like, you know, maybe this is, uh, or not five and five, excuse me, four and four. When they got back to four and four, I was like, man, like, okay, like maybe this can kind of go a certain way for them. Uh, but then it didn't happen. So, now they're no, no, and even with the Lions game, it's like okay, the, at least the offense is cooking. You know, yeah. they're, they're doing great. So, and, and you can beat you know the Raiders, the Broncos, the Packers uh, with offense like that until you drop everything and or, or get hurt or can't pass protect or any of the other things. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, I love spending half an hour on draft stuff in December. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> It's going to be great, man. Uh, yeah, let me know who you guys are taking in the first round of these blocks. <laughs> uh, it's December 10th, man. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll do that on uh, when on Wednesday instead of previewing the game. We'll do a mock draft. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it. Let's preview the Easton Stick game. Easton Stick, Aiden O'Connell game. I th- we'll just make bets on who Cleo Max sack numbers. <laughs> that's it that's all we can do yeah. yeah that that is that is my season now does Kalumak get the sack record or not that is yeah. the season probably yeah. not at this point he was so close today like you said to, to getting a few sacks but you know Ra- Raiders will do wonders for your numbers yeah the sack record Keenan probably not probably Keenan probably won't challenge for the receiving record at this point for receptions but who knows maybe they just continue to spam him We'll see what happens. Okay, uh, let's let's just say the one nice thing. Quentin Johnson had yeah. 90, led the team in receiving, had 90-something yards. Yeah. Um, I loved that they gave him a screen, but it was on third and 20 or whatever. And it actually <laughs> looked good. Even yeah, they gained like 16 yards out of it. Yeah. yeah, I thought he was going for it. It's like, wow, you should do that. Never did it again. Um, <laughs> even with pass protection issues. You know, listen, man, like he's the one guy that – stick has really thrown to like there is some chemistry yeah. there that that can matter maybe this is kind of quentin's not time to shine obviously because i think keenan's still gonna be wide receiver one but like maybe this is how they can kind of get quentin back on track a little bit is is easton sticks chemistry with him i can't believe i just said that <laughs> it's up to easton stick to get quentin johnson's rookie <laughs> season going man all it took was an injury to justin herbert <laughs> see quentin johnson for what he could really be um and they say herbert elevates his receivers yeah weirdly enough he has more trust with alex erickson i don't know 
I got worried when I saw Erickson out there a lot early on. I'm like, no way did they just bench Quinton for Erickson. Um, I don't think they did in terms of snaps, but it was he was out there yeah. a lot. I think both of them are because they're both of them are the in the wide receiver three sets. So, but no, in all seriousness, I thought Quentin looked good today. I thought he had a good game in the second half in particular once, once given the opportunity. So no, good hands catch on a, either a dig or a post or whatever it was on a, after the big catch. That was great. hundred percent. Amazing. So would, would be great to see some more development out of the first round pick for the last month of the season in all seriousness. Yeah. Man, that's where we're at. <laughs> I, I've said this before, but I haven't stood up during a Chargers game in like a month. <laughs> uh, yeah, this whole season. Really, really since. And I, I the used Lions, to ask, the, the Lions my, game. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I was just. Well, I mean, we were, we were at that game. So yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was a little bit different, but like, I was like, I was still really into it. Like, I was still like, you know ready to to rock if you will but yeah uh, at home the last time i stood up for a chargers game was like what was first after the jacks game? game probably no because to start the season i was still really excited and everything oh uh, okay you know the week before who was the week before the lions game i was still up and moving around that that week um not the chiefs not the raiders oh bears yeah or jets one of those two jets jets uh, jets because it was bears and then jets right uh yeah anyways i have not been standing for the last few games and it's weird because i i am definitely a stander and a yeller and i move around and hasn't been happening so yeah i mean that's my family when i was younger we you know you're running around the house and yelling and cheering and you know that like that Ravens game in playoffs that one year I was doing <laughs> laps around the downstairs. You know, just but uh, it was definitely yeah. not on my feet during the Patriots game. That was, <laughs> that was not a fun watch. <laughs> I I I'm a Utah fan, so we we have a tradition of punters, but I don't like punters that much to stand up during a punt fest. <laughs> I stand up during yeah. J.K. Scott. Let's go, B. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no. All right, man. I think that's good. That's an, that's a good spot. So we'll we'll of course you know continue to give you guys our best analysis of the of the Chargers and everything that's happening. Um, we'll have our usual Chargers episode this week, and then we'll preview the game and then recap the game, all that good stuff as we always do. Um, but it's safe to say that Tyler and I are full steam ahead towards draft season. Uh, so if you want, if you have a draft prospect you just love, uh, send us a message, send us a comment, and we'll uh, we'll get to those players. So I guess that's kind of a bright side. I don't have to start my draft prep in February. I get to start it in December. So there we go. Um, all right, guys. Appreciate you all. Hope you have a good rest of your night. Um, I don't know who you're rooting for tonight, if anybody, but uh, I'm kind of sick of the Eagles. So I guess the Cowboys would be nice or whatever. I don't really care. Whoever can beat the 49ers, that's really my NFC agenda. Whoever can beat the 49ers. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, fly Eagles, fly for me, and always. Uh, Cowboys are currently winning 7-0, to zero, so we'll see how that goes. There we go. All right, you guys. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you later. Uh, appreciate you, as always, and bolt up. <laughs>